0: Welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org.
1: Yes, so we've known um, Nick and Vicky for about 18 months, I think, near. and it was just by chance that we did when we were, we were at the uh, National Gathering uh, in, was it April last year, whenever it was. Um, and yeah, they've become really good friends of ours um, over this period of time. Um, just a bit of a backstory, we, we were actually married in 2000, which is actually really handy because I can remember how long it is now, <laughs> I'll just work it out. Um, but twenty two of those years were actually li- we were living in Chicago in the states, and um, we had to leave on a not because of anything bad but just health care in there is it's a very expensive thing and so we just needed to return and we we didn't know what we wanted to do and we have uh, we I've had this inkling in the back of my mind that I'd like to live on a narrowboat. Having watched some of the vlog, I don't know if you know, obviously, uh, um, Nick and Vicky, they've got a, a um, narrowboat and it was something that I I kind of wanted to do. And so we were following this channel um, of a couple of guys that have got this boat and we we heard that he, they were selling it. And we thought, oh. Wouldn't that be great if we could buy it? And we happened to be in the country just when they put it up for sale. And so we got in touch with them and said, can we come and see it? And they said, yeah, come. So we, we were actually here for a family event and the Monday we went to see it and we fell in love with it, which I knew anyway, and put in an offer and they accepted it. And so we now live on a narrowboat. boat. <laughs> And it was it was just such a God thing that it all fell into place. Like, we sold our house and we didn't even put it on the market. We sold our car to the very first person that came. They didn't quibble, they just paid what we are asking. We sold or gave away all of our furniture. And so just every every step of the way, we just felt that God was in this. And it was just an incredible experience um and it's just followed on from that that we've just we've been so blessed um and we know that you know god is you know, walking this with us and we're walking with him so that's enough from me i think pauline can finish i love the way he said we
0: fell in love with the boat <laughs> you need to understand that i had never stepped foot on a narrow boat before we actually bought the boat So it was a totally new experience for me. But one of the things I would say is that God has been incredibly gracious, particularly to me, because he was the enthusiastic one for it. And our very first cruise was up to Nottingham, where we met Nick and Vicky. And um, the cruise itself was a bit traumatic because we'd not taken the boat out before. But when we got there... It was amazing because like when you've moved country and okay, we're British, but we hadn't lived here for 22 years, so the country's changed a lot in that time. It's almost like moving to a new country. And we walked in the door, well, I think, we're in the line and believe it or not, my bridesmaid was three in front of me from a vineyard church and she's come and sit with us come and sit with us which is great and we thought we didn't I wasn't expecting her there we thought we'd know one couple there and the speakers that year were um, Steve and Cindy Nicholson who've spent a lot of time in the UK but you need to understand that they're in Chicago and we were in one of their church plants so we knew Steve and Cindy and it was like Oh, Lord, thank you. I've come home. There was that real feeling of coming home that at that point I hadn't felt before, which was just really, really special for us, or special for me at any rate, because I'll be honest, um, I had to go through a grieving process in moving back. When God moves you on to something, it can be quite scary, but also... There is what you're leaving behind, and I'm not always good at moving on. When, it, when we sung like "Trust you without board, "Trust Without Borders," I'm thinking, yeah, I think I know what that looks like now, because it's that leap into the unknown, the unfamiliar, and believe me, living on a boat is totally unfamiliar. Um, you know, I would stress about... Water, are we going to run out of water? What happens if the pump breaks and therefore we can't access the water that's in the tank? Or what about the power? Because we've got solar panels and the engine when it's running charges the batteries, but we are very low tech, low power on the boat in terms of our usage of electricity. We are, you know, we have to think about the water. So, And you learn to appreciate things in life that you don't before. So one of the things I really appreciate now is flushing toilets, (laughs) believe it or not. Because you're living a different lifestyle and God has really asked us to reach out to what I would call an unreached community in that it's people that are transient. It's the continuous cruisers on the canals that don't stay put in a lot of time. And you might meet someone once, and it could be two years before you meet them again. So it is a very, very different lifestyle in that sense. And swapping, even things like swapping our... We had in the States a... French door, large American fridge. All right, so it's one of those ones with two doors, big drawer below for the freezer. A chest freezer in the garage. And we lived on a four-story townhouse in Chicago, so we also had a kitchen equivalent of a kitchenette up the top of the house with another fridge and an icebox. So moving to having an under-counter fridge with the freezer the size of the icebox was... A bit of a shock to the system so like Derek likes peas and I bought a bag of peas the first time for the freezer we never bought another bag of free peas again because I said I couldn't afford the real estate in the freezer for him to have peas <laughs> so it's those sort of things we've now got a freezer so he has peas again now so that's all right but we've only had this last month had that and I lasted over a year with just this little icebox as a freezer and I just thought, wow, God, this is amazing that this feels normal to me now. Um, And how we adapt to different, when God moves us into unfamiliar situations, the things that feel unnormal grow to feel normal. Does that make sense? And so I'm sort of like, I've really landed up embracing the lifestyle. Yes, I miss my friends. Yes, I miss my church because like, You're not in the same place. So what do you do for church? Thank God for COVID because it's online now, in so many places where it wasn't before. And I think people's acceptance of changing routine and things like that happened with that. You couldn't do things. So you became familiar with finding other ways to do things and adapting, which was really good. So... We are at the moment in Gloucester. So if we could just have the first picture up, I've got a picture of our boat. That is our boat. It is 57 foot long and 6 foot 10 inches wide. And that includes the back and the front. So our bedroom is smaller than our closet was in the US. U.S. have very big closets and things like that. So it's sort of like there's a lot of adapting to have to do in terms of that. But that is our boat. And the next slide shows you some of where we've been. So is my clicker working? Okay. Let's see if I can do it. Oops, sorry. There we go. Whoops, there we go. So this shows where we've been so far. got a lot of canals. There's over 2,000 miles of canals and rivers in the UK, so we've got a lot more to explore. But you can see we've done the red is last year, the blue is this year, and we are down in Gloucester at the moment. Uh, We will be sort of heading up further north after Gloucester, but that's where we are. And one of the great things is you get to see so many different things so I was praying about this some of this sort of talk and as I was thinking about it I thought wow um, we were in Gloucester and we went to this church called Mary, Decry- Mary Decrypt and it was the first it was the place where George Whitfield And I'm a bit of a history buff when it comes to church history. It is where he lived. He lived just down the road at the Bell Inn. And he went to this church. He became a cleric. And that pulpit is where he preached his first sermon. Now, and that was back in 27th of June, 1736, I think it was. And so it's a long, long time ago. Now, George Whitfield was an evangelist he would go round preaching the gospel and he when he was at oxford met a couple of people you may have heard of as well john and charles wesley and the three of them founded the methodist church and one of the things i love about those early days of the methodist church was that it was a lay It was a lay led church in terms of congregation. We use in the vineyard an expression, everybody gets to play. That's how they were as well, that everyone had a part to play. And so it was really interesting that. And he met them, and this is a bit of a long story, but I'm going to go through it anyway. Um, And from meeting them, like Charles Wesley went and wrote a whole load of hymns that I grew up as a bit of an Anglican and in more traditional church as well as the new church. I sort of had a foot in each camp. And he wrote lots of hymns. So if you think at at Christmas when we sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, that's a Charles Wesley hymn. Or you think of, um, And Can It Be That I Should Gain an Interest in the Saviour's Blood?, That was a Charles Wesley hymn, and he wrote a lot of hymns that could really teach theology to people because they didn't necessarily all get to read, which was very exciting. So, um, Christ the Lord is Risen Today is another one of his. that's an Easter hymn. So, back to George... George was known as one of the central figures of a thing in the States called the Great Awakening in the 1700s. Now, the Great Awakening was, it was the first Great Awakening when there was like a revival in the English colonies. And one of the things they they said about him, he would go from place to place uh, preaching the gospel. And as he would do that, how many people know how many people can get fit in Coventry Stadium? Come on, rugby fans, football fans. It's the home of Coventry Football Club and, their, and the Wasps, I gather. How many do you think will fit in there? Shout out. 25,000. Any increase or decrease on 25,000? 10,000. Okay. 40,000, you've been to one of their music concerts because they say for a concert, 40,000 people can fit in. But for a normal game, if the stadium was full, it would be about 32,500 people. So George Whitfield, so have that in your mind. George Whitfield, not in a stadium, but in the open air, would preach to thirty people with no amplification because they didn't have amplification. So that shows you his, who he was in terms of the ability to go from place to place, preaching the gospel, causing people to turn from whatever it was that they were into to Jesus, to become followers of Jesus. Amazing. I want to say now, because my thoughts went on from that, to John Wesley. Now, John Wesley reluctantly went to a prayer meeting in um, the Methodists, now call it, I think, Methodist Day. It's the 24th of May, but this was back in 1738. He reluctantly went to a prayer meeting one evening of the Fetter Society in Aldersgate in London. And how often do we reluctantly come to church or reluctantly do something? Yeah, I, I do. It's like, oh, I can't be bothered or, you know, you go along. Oh my goodness, John Wesley was so glad that he went along because he wrote in his diary, someone was preaching about Martin Luther's um, Start of Romans, and he went and said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Well, that's a bit of a meeting I'd want to go to (laughs) in that sense. And God showed up for him. And I love those God stories. We, we need God-type stories, like the one Phil told earlier. You know, I mean, we need to stir our faith in these things so that we all end up becoming followers of Jesus and actually being the hands and feet of Jesus. Phil, I want to commend you for that. You were the hands and feet of Jesus to that person. And we're all asked to be that. So... That was what happened to John Wesley. And so from that, I want to talk a bit about how God speaks to us. Phil talked about how he was compelled. He felt this voice that, you know, he couldn't drop the thought he had of the man sitting outside the store. God speaks to us in various ways. He might speak to us through the Bible. That's a common way for people. Like, you know, when you're reading the Bible, suddenly a verse pops out to you. Or, you know, don't just read it as words on a page, read it as words of life. It says, my word is a lamp unto my feet and a a light unto my path in the Psalms. You know, it actually can be a guide for us. He also talks about, you know, when we listen to his voice, and it could be words, that he, you hear him say, it could be audible, it could be a, something in the mind, a bit like um, Becky went and said earlier of the, the memory that she had, variety of different ways that God will talk to us. And it can be through other people. So Becky went and said that, and that might resonate with you. When we sung earlier, it could be in worship, when we sung earlier, I am who you say I am. I loved the fact that we actually meditated on that in worship. I am who you say I am. It's not what the world says I am. You know, you might be carrying rejection from being turned down for a job or various other things, but that is the lie that you would, if you take that on board, because you are who God says you are, not who the world says you are. And yes, that may be you're a mom, you're a dad, you're different, people you're a pastor whatever but you're what God you are who God says you are and I think that's really important so God speaks to us he's not silent you may sometimes feel he's a bit mute I sometimes feel he's a bit mute on mute but you are you know he's constantly speaking with us and it is that conversation that we have with him he taught his disciples to, to pray so when we pray You know, what Jesus taught was thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you think about that, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is that will going to be done on earth as it is in heaven if we are not being a part of that? You know, Phil was a part of that because he was being obedient in doing that and that's for all of us every single one of us it is to be you know helping to usher in the kingdom of god it said it says in scripture in Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of god so we want to seek first god's kingdom and and we want to be listening to the holy spirit jesus said how his sheep hear his voice recognize his voice so with that We need to learn to cultivate that. Um, Those of you who are mothers here, you learn to hear your baby cry. (laughs) You learn that cry. You learn that voice. Or if your child is, you know, whoever it is, if your child is talking to you all day, you talk back. You don't just keep silent. So it's that relationship that we're always looking to develop to get to my notes here. And when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's voice can be quite subtle. So it's not like someone audibly always talking to you. It can be subtle. It can be in a language that isn't like general conversation. It could be a picture. It could be a memory, an emotion, a bodily sensation. It could be just words or a scripture. And When the Holy Spirit's for us, it's often a transformative word um, in terms of how it is. So I want to talk to you about a couple of stories. And the first story, believe it or not, you guys are a part of. (laughs) So when we were last here and we were meeting in the hall down there, this story happened the day after we were here. Alright, so you're all a part of it and what had happened is we were having engine problems um, our batteries were not charging and if your batteries go to 50% or lower they're blown and we were not being able to charge our batteries if we ran the engine it didn't charge the solar wasn't charging the batteries we were seeing it creep down it was down to 65% I was stressed out full attempt, we landed up with going to a chandlery to see if they could help, we put a note out to our friends on Facebook, we put it on Twitter and everything else, nothing was happening and every time we turned the engine in we just got like that and it was pretty awful so we in the end called out the rescue and we had to wait hours, they came in the afternoon Um, and would you believe it, turn the engine on Sound of beeps, isn't it the way? So we went round to a marina called Dunchurch Marina and we thought we need to go in and connect to Mains to for our batteries to recover. Five and a half hours that took to recover of being collected to Mains. And then they said they, they would look at it, but it would be a couple of days later. So we came on the Sunday, they moved us to a mooring, um, or rather, we moved to a mooring rather than on just the pontoon. And all of a sudden, there was a tweet that we saw and a picture of our boat with a, look who's next to us. So I said to Derek, oh my goodness, we need to go around and say hello to them. (laughs) That's what I do. Um, So Derek was finishing something off and I went around to say hello to them and see, see if they wanted to meet up for coffee or anything. And she said, oh no, we can't, we're about to go to, we're leaving this afternoon, we're going to a funeral. For um, the guy's dad, who died, and we were chatting, and I said, "Oh, you know do you think you'd l- he'd let me pray for him?" At which she burst into tears and then started talking a whole thing by which time Derek came around and they ended up with the four of us holding hands together and praying for their visit back and the funeral, and everything so I think that's another example of what we heard earlier from that story of being inconvenienced and there's that need to put ourselves out there like it would be so easy to just do something else or carry on doing what you're doing but being prompted by the Holy Spirit and being inconvenienced so even here on Sundays you know there's coffee going on first so come for coffee but be inconvenienced and be late to stop and talk to someone or pray to someone or whatever, if you want, you know, if you find that that's what's being said. So that's one of the stories. The second story I was going to quickly talk about is on the Llangollen Canal. And when we were there, there was a guy that we'd met. And he sort of came up behind us, and we were going to move on the next day. So Derek went and went and said, "Oh, do you want to cruise with us?" And he said, "Oh no, my leg's playing up; I can't do it." And Derek offered that I would do the locks for him. And he came back and he says, "Oh no, I'm staying put." So I immediately said, "I'm going to see him," and I offered to do the locks. And then I talked to him and I said, "Well, look, I've got." I know I've prayed with people and they've got out of wheelchairs or, you know, they've left their crutches behind. Would you let me pray for you? And he says, oh, I don't believe I used to. And I used to pray for other people when I was a child, but I don't believe God would ever do anything for me. So I said, oh, well, perhaps I can do that for you. So perhaps we'll see what God will do. And I prayed for him. The next thing I know is we've left, he stayed put. And as we're going through the first lock... I find that he's starting to come towards us. He actually decided he was going to move, and he was well enough to, and the next day he said to not don't know what happened, but something certainly happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, there are those things um, on the Llangollen as well. Another guy, we a bridge was frozen, and so I'd seen this guy walk back and forth, and I was just asking God about him, and he went and said, oh, um... And from that, he went and then said, I said to him, can I pray, you know, what's going on with your back? And I think that's the thing. It's finding the words to open up the conversation, asking God what those words are. And I just said, oh, I see you're struggling to walk, what's going on? And he just said, oh, he said, I've got back pain and all the rest of it. And I said, well, you know, would you let me pray for you? And he said, if you want. So I went and put my hand, I said, can I put my hand on you? I put my hand on his back. And then I felt, oh, I think it's something on his hips as well. So I said, oh, is there, is there oh, yes. And then he's, sort of have this case history. Um, but in doing that, when I started praying, I said, come Holy Spirit. He went and said, oh, I feel all warm and oh, it's all tingly and all these other things were starting to happen. I don't know the full result. I just know I was obedient at that point in time. And I said, how's it feeling now? He said, oh, it's feeling good. I said, well, let's pray some more and all the rest of it. And just to get that is so encouraging and it encourages our spirits as well as the person we're praying for. So sometimes we just need to be bold. And it says on my next slide, I've got so many other stories I could tell you. Um, if you go to the next slide, oh, I could go to the next. Here we go. In Corinthians, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're supposed to use it. It is for the common good. It's not just for us to keep to ourselves. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, just as in fact you are doing That's for those not seeing the slide, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, 11. so we want to encourage one another. We've got the gifts to encourage people, not to knock them down, but to point them to Jesus and encourage them. Romans 1, 11 and 12. I long, this is Paul writing, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We mutually encourage each other in the ways of pointing people to Jesus, spurring one another on with our faith. So when we actually do that, I like to think about, um, I ask myself a few questions on the next slide. Is this coming from me and knowledge I may have, or is it coming from the Holy Spirit? When you're with strangers, it's easy. It's coming from the Holy Spirit because you don't know them. But when you're with people you know, you know a lot about them. So what is it that God is saying? What is God saying rather than what you really want to say because you know they need to hear it, right? So what is God saying? And then is it going to strengthen or encourage them? Yeah, you, you're not hit. We don't want to knock people down. We want to build people up. Does it point the person to make them closer to Jesus, and does it align with Scripture? Those are just some questions that I sort of ask myself. And sometimes I might have a word I'm thinking, Oh God, I can't say that. And so I then continue to pray. I continue to ask God, Well, if that is the root of it, how do you want me to express this? All right, and sometimes you know it may be an immediate. Sometimes I'll hold things for weeks until I've actually feel now's the time to say it, and I've you know continued to pray into that thing. All right, and you don't have to say it all; you have to let the Holy Spirit do its work. Often we don't like silences, and so we feel we've got to jump in uh, rather than allow the Holy Spirit to do. What he wants to do, all right. So, how does it resonate? Does it does it sit well, all right? So, lessons on giving. The next slide, quickly. On, oh, sorry, on receiving words. When someone gives you a word, like the word that Becky said, if if you think, oh yeah, that could be me, then does it align with scripture? Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort me? Does it point me to Jesus? Because that's the whole thing. It's always, does it point someone to Jesus? You know, we are followers of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the advocate. And the Holy Spirit is the person that is continually pushing us and ushering us to point people to Jesus. And to set them free and liberate them and all those other wonderful things. How does it resonate? How, does, how have I heard it before? Often, you have to hear things multiple times before it sinks in. So, does it res. have I heard it before? Is it a now word or a future word? Is it something that is for me now? Is it something for me in the future? Or is it something that makes absolutely no sense and I just need to bin it and accept that the person giving it is human? And, you know, we've got to give each other permission to maybe not quite get it right. Right? When you're learning something, you're not always going to get it right. And so, yeah, don't feel bad if you've, set, if you've received something and you think, no, that's not me. Either put it up on the top shelf or think, nah, put it in the bin. And likewise, if you've given something and it doesn't resonate, put it down to experience and learning. And maybe it is a word from God that they just don't want to hear. All right? On the next slide, quickly, on... That's receiving lessons in giving words. Need to be obedient to giving words. And sometimes they make no sense to you at all. Quick story my friend Martin, he was at an evening service and he heard God say um, to him, You need to go to this woman, tell her she's a good mother. And he thought, That's stupid. Everyone knows she's a good mother. He went and he couldn't let go of the thought bit like you. He could not let go of it. He went up to her and said, I just have this sense that God wants you to know you are a good mother. And the people around her looked very quizzically at it because everyone knew she was a good mother. The next day, literally the next day, she was called into the principal's office at the school because one of her children had done something wrong. Wow those words suddenly carried a lot more meaning for that woman than it did the night before. So you never know what God is going to do when you say it, all right? Um, Don't try and rationalize it. If that's what you hear, that's what you say, all right? And it doesn't need to be long. God wants you to be a good mother. Yeah, it's not fantastically, it's not words of wisdom, it's nothing. It's just what God had told him, all right? It can be a single word. It can be a phrase. And my last slide is on giving words. And don't try to make sense of it. As I say, I think that's it, actually. All right, okay. Giving words to others. If Is it coming from me or from a word of knowledge? Often if I give... If, if God is asking me to say something and it's along the lines of something I' have knowledge of, I volunteer that first. So I if I was going to say something to Vicki and maybe it relates to something that relates to my word of knowledge, I'd say I'd say to Vicki, Vicki, I know you have a coaching business, but I think God wants to tell you and then I would continue on. So I volunteered what I know is my knowledge versus what is the Holy Spirit speaking. Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? Does it point someone to Jesus? I love that phrase. Does it point someone to Jesus? And does it align with Scripture? So those are just a few things of really encouraging us to reach out. We've been reaching out to people in the community Um, Of boaters and sometimes I've had opportunities to pray with people who are friends and I've seen the Holy Spirit come in. Other times it's total strangers like the man that's walking the towpath. Um, Other times it may be acquaintances um, but we've all got spheres of influence that we have. So I'd like you to challenge you to think of what's your sphere of influence. Is it your school? Is it your neighborhood? Is it, you know, your commute to work every day and you see the same person on the bus or you see a different person on the bus? You know, think about how to be the hands and feet of Jesus because we've got the Holy Spirit as our guide. It's not about us. We're the ones that are ushering in the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God in to those spheres of influence that we have. And we have so many spheres of influence. You have no idea. If you stop and think about it and think about where you walk, how you travel, your neighbors, I'd like to extend it beyond your neighbors to your street. Um, You know, don't, you know, go... Um, John Bodley was saying last week I heard him online because we sometimes listen to Trent Vineyard he says go long go long so don't limit God um, and don't put those limitations on yourself but go long in terms of those spheres of influence that you have that ability to make a difference in For tuning in today we would love to connect with you on a sunday morning soon bless you and have a great week